0: It is the double nickel episode of the Glass of Joe podcast with PJ Glasser. I'm Joe Malpa. And usually we have a little segment, just the two of us before our guests. But when we hopped on the Zoom, I saw that ungodly mustache on the face of our guest this week, Ryan Warmly. Welcome to the show. Do you need a razor, my friend? Uh, No, I do have a
1: razor. Uh, I hope
0: it's for a good cause. If it's for a good cause, I feel like like a bad person. I crafted this
1: beautiful mustache with a razor, so it's very intentional. Uh, It's not for a cause other than I just thought it would be fun. I was was shaving, and I saved the mustache for last, and I was like, you know what? I don't hate it. I'm going to rock with it for a couple of days. You'll notice I'm also wearing the Orioles Hawaiian shirt that you missed out on not coming to the O's game. With PJ and myself and a couple of our other friends Joe he's
2: growing he's growing an Orioles playoff beard he's got to (laughs) start it like that because it's going to take about four years until it finally gets around the I I was
1: true story in college I decided just for fun during one of the Ravens playoff runs when Joe Flacco had a Fu Manchu I had a big beard and I decided to shave it down to Fu Manchu I did not tell the girl I was seeing at the time and she came over to my apartment and opened the door, saw the shoe, said nothing, turned around and walked away.
0: I, I, can't, say, <laughs> I can't say that I'm surprised. But before we pile too much onto you, uh, you know, we've had you in our, in our in guest and surprise spots before. We've once had you in an official spot. We welcome you back in an official role this week. And it is with a new job title and a blue check mark on Twitter. So please elaborate on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, the two are unrelated. The blue checkmark came first, which was exciting. probably helped lead to me getting the other job. Um, But yeah, I started three and a half weeks ago at Fantasy Pros. Uh, Very exciting, doing a lot of social media stuff there. My title is social media coordinator. So, um, you know, I had a great time at NBC Sports Washington, met a lot of cool people, including you two. Uh, But I I am no longer there. I can no longer be your official NBC Ravens correspondent. Right. I can now just hit on everything because because we, we we tweet and and do Facebook and Instagram and TikTok for, for all the sports. Fantasy football is obviously the biggest. It's it's always gonna be the the behemoth when it comes to clicks and stuff. But um yeah, no, it's it's been a lot of fun so far. I'm really, really happy there. And it gives me a lot more flexibility, a lot more free time that I can spend preparing for podcasts with you guys.
0: There we go. No longer our NBC Ravens correspondent, now our NFL fantasy football correspondent. <laughs> so we'll dive right into it. Uh, Cam Akers blows out his Achilles in, in training. Very, very unfortunate news. Um, from a fantasy perspective and from a Rams perspective, because they still need to play football too, and so we can get the fantasy points. Uh, who do they turn to?
1: Well, how about from a Maryland perspective, Jake Funk, perhaps? Jake Funk is there, seventh round draft pick running back out of Maryland. Uh, no, I, I it, Daryl Henderson is, is the obvious guy, and and you know, he has had injury problems in the past as well, but he was also a day-two pick for them, just like Cam Akers was. He has been better. He's been more efficient. He's, he's literally been a better runner on a per-touch basis since entering the NFL over Cam Akers. I think he's going to be great. I don't know that they're going to actually go out and bring in – a lot of people were like, oh, are they bringing back Todd Gurley now? Are they going to go after Adrian Peterson now? I don't know that that's going to be the case. Running back is such a transient position anyways. Like, you expect attrition – That I don't know why you would ever waste money and allocate significant resources there like you would need to do to bring in a bigger name. So I think it's going to be the Henderson show as long as he can prove that he can stay healthy. Obviously, Malcolm Brown's still there. And and I I say it kind of jokingly, but Jake Funk, I firmly believe, will have a role on the team. He has proven doubters wrong ever since being a two-star recruit in in Western Maryland. So I, I have a ton of faith in him as well. It just sucks. A for acres, obviously, first and foremost, like, like clearly we come at it from the fantasy perspective and the fan perspective, but like tearing your Achilles is one of the worst injuries you can suffer, especially as an athlete, especially as a running back where you need to make cuts. So it's really tough. There's, there was a list going around Twitter yesterday of a whole lot of different running backs who have had Achilles tears in their early to mid twenties. And like, basically none of them came back at full strength or at all. So it, it really is tough for a guy that was super talented was poised to have a breakout year in trying to face system. And and then the other thing I will say is running back is, is awful this year. I I, I don't like anybody, even like Christian McCaffrey is coming off only playing three games. Everybody has question marks. Like Derek Henry, eventually it's not going to keep, he's not going to keep beating regression. Dalvin cook is an injury prone player like Alvin Kamara no longer has drew Brees checking down him all the time. I just don't like any running backs early this year. And I I've always been on the the side whenever I play fantasy, not just covered it of, uh, get as many running backs as you can early. I don't
2: know if that's the case this year. So glad you brought those three names up. I was on the uh, fantasy pros website and the writers, the like break, <laughs> they like to break each position into tiers. So they have tier one, tier two, tier three. I was a little surprised that for running backs, their tier one only consisted of three guys. Now all the three of those guys should be tier one running backs, McCaffrey, Dalvin, and Derek Henry. But do you think that there's a drop-off after that? Or do you think there's one or two more guys that you think should be in Tier 1? I I
1: don't think there's as much of a drop-off as the tiers would would have you believe. And part of that is sort of what I was getting at in that they all have question marks, including the Tier 1 guys. And part of it is that the other guys have have just as much upside, I think, as those. Maybe not as much as a Christian McCaffrey. I mean, no one else in the league is going to rush for 1,000 yards and catch for 1,000 yards if they stay healthy. But Nick Chubb, to me, is the best pure runner of the football in the NFL, and he plays in a very run-heavy offense. As long as Hunt doesn't take too much of his his carries, I don't see any reason why he can't be a Tier 1 guy. You know, Jonathan Taylor was a Tier 1 guy in the second half of last season with the Colts, and yes, Marlon Mack is technically coming back, but he's also coming off an Achilles, and... To Jonathan Taylor was a second round pick they're going to give him touches and I believe that Carson Wentz will have a better year now that he's back with Frank Reich so I think that offense is still going to be good you know in a PPR format Austin Eckler is going to te- catch a lot of passes I think the Chargers offense could take off this year so I really don't think there's a wide gap there I get I get the Henry thing is is tough for people because he shouldn't be as good as he is like People don't do what he's doing at his size and speed. And, and PJ, obviously, you've watched him longer than anybody being a Bama guy, but like eventually you have to think it's it's not going to work out anymore. Carries
0: this guy has on his legs, even going back to Bama.
1: But, but having said all that, like until
2: the regression comes, like might as well ride
1: the
0: wave, right? I mean, he's but been
1: the thing unbelievable. Is-
2: they they really – Tennessee, they never bring in, like, a secondary back to no. give them a break, it, you know? And, this, and I, in my dynasty league, had Darrington Evans
1: all of last season. I was like, just he's my, my handcuff, and he'll get a lot of carries, you know, even as a second guy because they run a lot. No, they just gave 350 touches or whatever it was to, to Henry. And somehow, not only does he get better every season, like, within the season, he's better in December than he is in September – he also gets better every year. He keeps adding to, like, it blows my mind how he's doing what he's doing. Um, the other guy I didn't mention yet who I love, obviously everybody loves as an athlete, is Saquon, but he's another guy coming off injury. But, in again, in a PPR format, that guy, if he's healthy, he's going to catch 70 passes. He's going to break off three or four 70-yard touchdown runs. I mean, there's, there's a ton of talent. Like I said, there's just so many question marks that, that, for me, it's really hard to separate at the top. I basically view all of those running backs. Maybe outside McCaffrey, because it wasn't a devastating injury last year, it was just sort of an accumulation of a a couple different injuries. Outside of him, I pretty much feel like every running back, to me at least, is in the same sort of tier where I could take him in the first round and and cross my
2: fingers, but I'm really not feeling awesome about it. And I agree with you. The biggest question mark to me, and they have him listed in number five, is Alvin Kamara. And he puts up a lot of potential. But not having Drew Brees, I think, is going to affect him big time. Sean Payton's obviously as good as it gets is what he does in calling plays. But I think there's a lot of value this year at running back and looking some of the guy, at the guys that they have in Tier 3. J.K. Dobbins, Clyde edwards Lair are the two that stick out to me. Dobbins with Ingram gone, now that he has a full preseason OTAs training camp, and the fact that the Ravens now have a 17th game like everybody else does, They're going to be very particular with how they run Lamar this year. I think Dobbins gets a heavy workload. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, all this hype about him last year and how Andy Reid's comparing him to Brian Westbrook and all this and that, he was a rookie too, and now he's coming back. And I think those are two guys that I definitely think you can get some great value on in the second round.
0: So two quick nuggets on guys that we already mentioned. Uh, Derrick Henry going back to 2013, his first year as a feature guy at Bama. He had eighteen hundred carries, so oh my that's a lot of a lot of wear and tear. So we'll see. Um, Alvin Kamara, how many touchdowns does he have? Vultured by Latavius Murray and by uh, the the glorified Taysom Tim Tebow right. that they have there with <laughs> Taysom Hill. Uh, one guy that I'm astonished neither of you mentioned, who is my kind of ride or die guy this year, uh, because his situation has improved. And you look at his numbers last year before a injury to a teammate and after saquon I, saquon barkley Look looking look i'm looking at my list here uh right division wrong guy ezekiel elliott i built him up like that and said the wrong name uh ezekiel elliott neither of you mentioned him nobody's talking about him Dak is back their offensive line has improved a bit his numbers pre and post Dak injury are staggeringly different um
2: he is the most overrated player in football
0: so, so, so I I so I definitely
1: I definitely side more with Joe on this one. In fact, I probably should have mentioned him earlier. I think he still fits in in that tier of the guys like Chubb and Taylor in sort of that under McCaffrey tier. And he it just came out to well it didn't come out today, but he he was giving a quote today that he's at his lowest weight since his freshman year at Ohio State. So so he is is getting in better shape. He is still big enough. It's not like he's like thin now and not going yeah, to be of a,
0: of a workload but we can't speed past pj saying he's overrated pj mm-hmm. since he's come into the league 1631 yards 15 touchdowns in a 15 game season he missed a game the next year in 10 games 983 and seven touchdowns in 15 games 1434 six touchdowns in a full 16 game season Thirteen fifty-seven and 12 touchdowns. And last year, the team unraveled 15 games, 986 touchdowns, which is still not bad at all.
2: Zeke was the benefactor early in his career of having the best offensive line in football. But it's not just early in the careers. It's since then, too. But since then, the defense has been absolutely poo-poo in Dallas, and he's been very fortunate in getting those junkyard touchdowns, receiving or rushing or whatever it is. I've never been a huge Zeke guy. I, I, he can be productive at times, but last year, Tony Pollard was the best back in on Dallas. And to me, it really wasn't close when you just watch him play. Not to say so it'll be that this year, but I thought Pollard was better last year. Here's the thing. If I'm building a real-life
1: NFL team, am I giving Ezekiel Elliott $90 million over six years? Of course not. But if I'm building a fantasy team, I'm thinking about the fact that the Cowboys gave him 90 million over six years, and they're going to want to get their money's worth. They're going to give them the ball as many times as they can. And I do, obviously with Dak back, like Joe mentioned, the offense is going to be a lot better. They're still playing in the NFC East. I know Washington has a good defense at least, but he can still run over the Giants. He can still run over the Eagles. Like this, this is a team that's going to score a lot of points at the very least. The Cowboys may or may not be any good, but they're going to score points and Zeke is going to get a lot of those. I do want to circle back to what PJ was saying on some of the younger guys. I love Clyde this year there. I, the, my favorite player in fantasy across any sport is the post type sleeper and everybody loved Clyde. He's a first round pick in a lot of leagues last season, you know, being with the chiefs first round draft pick of the NFL draft didn't pan out that way, but, but PJ totally right. I mean, this is a guy that Andy Reid was giving major, major props to last season. I I would just love to get him in the second round of every draft that I can. And Dobbins is really tricky for me because when you have a Russian quarterback like Lamar, and yes, they the Ravens always talk about wanting to pull him back and not, not let him take too much of a beating, but at his core, he is still going to take off and scramble a lot. He's just too good at it not to, and that's a good thing for the Ravens, but Dobbins is going to miss out on, on touches in the red zone just because Lamar is going to take off. They love Gus Edwards down there, and he's, he's not going to get the, the uh, catches out of the backfield. It's sort of the same issue. With Alvin Kamara in New Orleans, now that there's Hill and Winston there and not Breeze, he's not getting those check down passes. I don't think Dobbins is going to get those either. Lamar doesn't really check down to the running backs, and they don't design many pass plays specifically for the running backs to run routes, even though Dobbins might have the capability of doing that. It certainly looks like it in training camp. So he's going to rush for five and a half yards a carry he's going to be ridiculously efficient and i love his talent i love his fit he's he's a perfect running back for the baltimore ravens but i don't know if he's going to have that breakout fantasy year because touchdowns drive fantasy production and i don't know if he's going to get those
2: opportunities Warren, before we ask you about baseball when is the right time to have a fantasy draft because injuries are inevitable we just saw with cam Akers, and you know to me the perfect draft is labor day right after the fourth game of the preseason heading into week one, you kind of have a good idea of who's healthy, who's not, who's going to be playing and all that. When is your ideal time to draft?
1: So it sort of depends on the league you're playing in. For me, if I'm playing in a league against people who maybe don't care as much as I do or aren't going to do as much research, aren't going to be as prepared going into the fantasy season, I'm pushing to have that draft as early as possible because <laughs> I can take advantage of people who don't know what, where the trends what are going. What a nice guy. And, and who <laughs> I, I would say I would say this is true of my family league, but I don't push that one to be early because I know like they need all the help they can get. But in other leagues where we're a, bit, a little bit more competitive, I think the earlier the better you can take advantage of, of being able to anticipate where the trends are going, what players are going to rise and have opportunities and a chance to break out. Um, but if the, the injuries are always a big issue, right? Um, and especially the, in the NFL more so than like Major League Baseball, there are injuries in training camp every year. It's already started with acres like we led off with. Um, so, so I do think Labor Days is, is a good one if you're just like, we all want to be on the same page. We all want to know what we can know going into it. But I do think it's sneaky, helpful for people who are going to prepare by using the mock draft simulator at fantasypros.com to, to have it earlier and sort of get a leg up on your league. But, but I, I, I think Labor Day drafts are awesome. That's usually our busiest week of the year because um, that's when everybody's trying to do their drafts at the same time. And there's a reason for it. It's, it's, a, it's sort of the perfect timing.
0: Before we started going off to college and stuff, um, my main fantasy football group, we would actually get together to watch uh, the, the Thursday night season opener and do our draft that day. And then if you, if you happen to draft... Anybody who's playing in that game, um, you know, will go in manually and put, put their game in. Uh, but that's what we always had done. Till the last second, make sure you get all the injuries in. And it's always a nice time to, to get together to watch uh, that, and welcome football. That, back. That,
1: that's a fun tradition. One, like year, one year, the league I was, the one league I do um, in-person draft every year, we, we get the whole big board. We put it up on the wall. You know, go put your own stickers on everything. It's great. Uh, it was like the eighth or ninth round of that draft. And one of the guys in our league had taken Andrew Luck and literally that (laughs) night was the night that he announced his retirement. And he was like, Oh, like, do you mind if I go back and like change change that to another quarterback? Like one who hasn't been taken yet, obviously, but can I go change it? Cause I was a commissioner and I was like, no, absolutely not. Like if he gotten hurt, we wouldn't be doing this. Like, I'm sorry. That's the worst luck of all time. No pun Pun intended. (laughs) 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 But like, like, I'm sorry. That's, that's what you draft a quarterback with your next pick. (laughs) I mean, I, whoever was the backup that year per set, it was, is going to go soon. So you better take them while you can, but yeah, I mean, you, you never really can plan the timing injuries can happen whenever, but it does help to wait if, if you can uh, yeah. from that perspective.
0: And especially if you could wait, well, now the preseason structure differently, but as long as you waited till after the third preseason game, since nobody played the fourth preseason game anyway. But then again, uh, I think it was Jordy Nelson that year, uh, who tore his ACL after the third preseason game in practice before the fourth one. So there's no, there's no rhyme or reason or way of knowing it, but uh, moving over to baseball now, trade deadline very rapidly approaching the very anticipated one, especially because the entire Cubs roster is up for sale. Apparently um, who is a team that you think needs to make a big splash and a player that you would love to see go to a team. That's a perfect fit. Not necessarily a trade you think will happen, but just a perfect fit that you would love to see happen. Sure.
1: So the, the first one I'll, I'll answer your first question first in terms of making a splash. I don't like the Giants roster at all. I, I was like looking at the standings today to like make sure, oh, well, is there anything I missed or like like just completely overlooked? And I was like, nope, the Giants are still somehow in first yeah. place in that division. And I pulled up their depth chart and I'm like, yeah, I still don't like any of these guys. I, I, I don't think it's a good roster, but the numbers, the underlying analytics show that they're a good team. This is not some fluky, like winning a bunch of extra innings and they sneaky have a negative run differential. It's not that. They have one of the best run differentials in the sport. They're leading the division that I think has the two most talented teams in the sport in the Dodgers and Padres. So like more power and more credit to them for, for getting to this point. But to me, that reeks of a team that needs to make a splash where you've done a great job building this buffer early in the season of, of banking all these wins, but I don't trust that it's going to continue unless you actually upgrade the talent on your roster. And I I think they could really, you know, add anybody, maybe not Trevor story, who I know is a really big name on, on, Uh, you know the market for a lot of people because the Rockies are terrible just because they have uh, you know Brandon Crawford uh, when he's when he's healthy Um, so I'm not sure who the ideal player is on that team I do kind of feel like Max Scherzer if the Nats are willing to sell uh, is the type of guy that could fit anywhere and like obviously he would make that Giants rotation that much better if you could slot him in at the top Um, I'd really like to see the Cardinals add somebody like Scherzer and Scherzer did go to Mizzou so that would be kind of a homecoming for him if they were to to slide him in at the top of the rotation, the the player team fit that I actually like a lot, um, and I I promise I'm not just trying to make Joe feel good. Is Chris Bryant to the Mets? Oh yeah! Uh, and wh- one of the one of the cool parts about Bryant is that he can really fit with any team because he is so versatile. Anywhere he can play a third base, he can play a corner. Athlete. he's played. I saw him play center field once at a game. He in said Pittsburgh. center
0: field he thinks is his own best position, and he yeah, does not even play.
1: It. Which is which is crazy, and and I think he's probably wrong about that. But that's yeah. that just shows you that he is capable of doing it he's hit really well this year he was when he came out in the 2013 draft he was my favorite bat i had seen outside of harper he was my favorite bat i had seen in like the the seven or eight years at that point in my life that i'd been paying attention to the draft i absolutely loved him um and he's lived up to that you know and more in, in the the you know in the league since he came in um obviously won the world series and everything he's an icon in chicago but like you mentioned they do seem very willing to to move guys and you know, him and, and Baez and, and everybody seems to be available. One of the, the annoying things for me as a baseball fan in recent years is I feel like the trade deadline has has gradually gotten a lot less fun. There's really yeah. not as, as many, you know, fireworks, blockbuster trades as there used to be, which is disappointing as a fan. I, I sort of get it. Right now, as the CBA is currently constructed, it just doesn't make sense to trade top prospects. They are, like, by far the best asset you can have outside, outside of, like, a Tatis or or an Acuna or a Soto who's like proven themselves as a 20 year old, which are extraordinarily rare outside of that, there's really like no better asset than a top prospect. So it's harder to trade guys and teams that are looking to sell sort of have to set their sights a little bit lower to be willing to part ways with their best players, which is unfortunate. But I do wonder if the upcoming, you know, changes to the CBA, there is, I, don't, I hope there's not gonna be a strike or a lockout or anything, but, Tensions are high between the league and the players and we don't know where it's going to end up. There are going to be changes to the CBA, whatever those look like. And one of the big issues is how they treat these young players and all the service time manipulations. Oh, he needs to work on his defense for the first two weeks of April. Then we call him up, get the extra year of team (laughs) control. It's smart for the team. It's bad for the player. It's bad for the sport. So I, I wonder if anticipation of that changing might make teams more willing to part with some of their top prospects. It's sort of a tricky, tricky line to, to uh, to toe there um that was sort of a, a really long answer that went way too many different directions for you guys but yeah chris bryant to the mets is one of my favorites unfortunately i i hate admitting that to to a, a rabid <laughs> mets fan um but but really i it's also a weird year because a lot of the teams that i expected to be good i thought the twins were going to be great this year they're and home and home. they're not they're that they're was- horrendous so like like, I still believe, again, looking at that roster, I don't believe that the first three months has made that a bad roster. They just haven't played up to expectations. So if you're Minnesota, do you say, well, we're going to officially throw in the towel? Which yeah, I think they they've probably dug themselves should themselves way too big of a hole,
0: though.
1: Maybe that's not the best example, but but there there are teams that I really like that aren't doing the things I expect them to do. I mean, I did mention the Cardinals. I thought they were going to win that division, and, and they're sitting at exactly 500. So, it's really tough when you, you look at your roster and see one thing, and you look at your record and see something else, and you have to weigh, well, is three months a big enough sample size to, to actually commit to these really franchise-altering moves?
0: And that brings us right into the next question we wanted to ask you. PJ and I have talked a lot about the Yankees on this pod. Um, they're off to a good start in the second half, but they're still three-and-a-half back of Oakland, five-and-a-half back of Tampa. When we did the episode three weeks ago, uh, PJ asked me if they'd still win the division and I said, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs anymore. I just don't see the math adding up for them. Where do you stand on the Yankees? Um, I-, I guess not with the division. I don't think they're catching Boston, but getting in period.
1: Yeah. One of the things with looking at playoff races in baseball is, and really in any sport is you can't just look at how far they're back of the leader. You have to look at the teams they have to pass, like in the division, for example, they don't just have to catch the boss. And they also have to pass the rays who are, really good. And despite never having talent are always at the top of the East. So it's going to be really tricky for them. Um, You know, the Yankees for the last few years, it feels like every season I find myself saying, man, if they ever get healthy, watch out. And they just never are. And this year it it hasn't even been the worst injury luck they've had in in recent years. Um, It's just been enough to, to hurt them and set them back enough to say, maybe they are going to be on the outside looking in. You know, I, I know that you were really excited to get uh Giancarlo in our in our fantasy league. Uh, and, of, and of course, he's all, he never you can never rely been the main on guy healthy. staying
0: healthy on the Yankees, though.
1: Well, well, yeah, but that's, well, that's what I'm saying is you can't you can't even expect him to be healthy moving forward. Right. Because you, you right. can never expect him to be healthy looking into the future. So, yeah, that's sort of a long winded way of saying, like, I, I don't really believe in them Um and. and they don't have as many teams to catch, obviously, in the wild card race. I mean, they are the team looking on the outside looking in right now. Um, but I, I just think the other teams of baseball are too good. If they were to make a splash, it would certainly not surprise me. Um, they, they, I'm sure, they see themselves as buyers, and they could go out and get like a Scherzer or a Bryant or or a Trevor Story or anybody. And, and you know, it almost it almost doesn't matter who they have on their roster already they can afford to go get a guy and move somebody off their position and just try and make a run. Cause that's what the Yankees do every year. Um, I, I, if I, if I had to pick though, like under my head, I'm saying they don't make the playoffs right now.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Um, all right, Warren. Well, this is what you've been waiting for all pod. before we get into the Swift seven. Uh, we, all three of us were into Marvel. We watch all the movies, the TV shows. Now black widows out in theaters before we talk about that Loki, just uh, finished up a couple weeks ago. So was that your favorite TV show of the three that we've seen so far?
1: Of the three Marvel shows? Absolutely. I don't think it's even close, actually. I really liked WandaVision, but I struggled with the finale. Falcon Winter Soldier, or as I should say, spoiler alert, Captain America and Winter Soldier, I thought was good, but it felt like there was something missing. And it's been really hard for me to sort of put my finger on what exactly
0: that was. real villain. That's what was missing the whole time.
1: Yeah, it's hard for me to blame them, though, because apparently it was supposed to be a, an airborne virus like plot yeah. line with a, sort of a bioweapon, and they obviously had to scrap that because that would have been hitting too close to home during COVID. Um, and, and it's, you know, even in watching the finale of that show, I really thought the action was very good and fun Actually, and compelling. Right? I, just, I just felt like, that, again, there was something missing there. Uh, where, whereas WandaVision, I thought it was really great and had a lot of substance throughout. And then it was just, they, they sort of fell into the same old Marvel issue of, you know, big sky beam and, and CGI battle at the end. And and I, I could take or leave that. Loki has been awesome. It's been one sure. of my favorite shows that I've watched like all year, Marvel or, any, or anywhere else. I think it's been terrific. It's It's been stellar performances across the board. I think the, the music, the score of the show is incredible. Um, Natalie Holt is the composer. She has done a phenomenal job, even just like, the theme song, when, when the credits come on with the Loki, all the changing the letters and everything. I think every episode has been really well directed, like even more so than the other shows we've seen. Just interesting camera work, a lot of a lot of spinning, uh, like, like corkscrew type shots. It's been just a really interesting show to watch from a filmmaking perspective or a showmaking perspective. And then even aside from that, it's just a fun story. Tom Hiddleston is endlessly charismatic. As Loki, he's he's one of the greatest characters Marvel has given us over the course of this whole saga. Um, Sylvie has been a great addition so far. Um, my only complaint, really, is I wish it was a more self-contained story at the end of it. I, I like the finale. I thought was I thought the finale was really good, and I think Jonathan Majors is going to be a great Kang the Conqueror, and I'm really excited about the future. I wish there was a little bit more resolution, but like in that final shot, when I and I'm so spoilers are okay, but yes. in that in that final shot. When, when Mobius doesn't recognize him and then he looks up and it's very Planet of the Apes-esque, like sees the statue of Kang. I was like, wow, like my heart was racing. Like yeah. I rarely I rarely get twisted by shows anymore. It's just, it's just hard. You can generally see what's coming when they hit you with that big whammy. And I was hit with that big whammy. And that, that was a really cool moment. I think the show has been brilliant. And I'm really excited that it's the first one that they have announced we'll have a season two because I cannot wait for season two.
0: And, and that's what I was going to get to. The one complaint with one of my coworkers too, that we went back and forth on this, that he had the same complaint that it wasn't self-contained enough. Yes, Kevin Feige and Marvel have come out and said that they want the shows to be self-contained while still also tying into the movies. But I've been sitting here saying to myself the whole time, how can you have that happen? Either it's self-contained or it isn't. You can't dip one toe in one toe out. Um, All of the fan base that they have right now are going to watch the shows and they're going to watch the movies. So there's no issue crossing over. And, I also thought, too, you know, for for the complaints of it, again, the, the lack of self-containment. What else would you have liked to see? I, I don't mean to single you out. I mean just in general, anybody who had that same complaint. This show, think of the things it had to accomplish. It had to set up its own season two, set up the the groundwork for Spider-Man, for Ant-Man, and for the next Doctor Strange. And still satisfy closing its own arcs from the first season it, it had a lot to do um it didn't quite stick the landing as well as game of thrones season eight did but like it did a pretty good job
1: <laughs> okay first of all please don't unless you want to end the zoom call start a new one to give me a fresh 40 minutes don't bring up game of thrones season. Eight, first of all second of all I, I wish i hadn't used the word complain i'd really call it more of a nitpick on that point right, right. I, I thought it was a very well done finale and I do recognize that the fact that there is a season two makes us look at it different. It's hard because the first two Marvel shows sort of taught us as a fan base and an audience that, A, the big villain that you think is going to be the sequel behind it isn't going to be the case. There was no Mephisto in WandaVision. Um, you know, the power broker was just one of the characters in, um, in Falcon and Winter Soldier. This one actually did introduce Kang, the guy that people have been theorizing about for the, for the whole run of the show. Um, it also taught us that these were going to be self-contained stories that were really just long movies that weren't going to continue on. Well, that's not the case with Loki. This really is more of a TV show. I do wish we had gotten to see a little bit more of the Loki-Mobius, like, you know, move around buddy cop movie dynamic that it looked like they were building towards. And basically ended after the first episode's the introduction. The second episode, you kind of get that. But then the end of the second episode, he goes off with Sylvie. So you really don't get much of that. So it's interesting to me that it looked like they were building up to that only to sort of yank it away and really make Loki and Sylvie the central relationship on the show. But again, this is all stuff that makes it stand out from the last two shows. It makes it different. And it was really refreshing and energizing to me. You know, I I will cop to it. I've been getting Marvel fatigue, um, maybe slowly seeping in more and more the last few years. You know, I know PJ is new to to the franchise because he just binged it all last year. But for people who've been watching for now 13 years, you know, at a certain point, it does sort of feel like I'm kind of ready for a different type of storytelling. Having a show like Loki is the exact sort of thing that right. will reel really me all the way back in. And I cannot wait for season two. I, again, I think it was just so well done on every level, performance, writing, direction, score, everything was so together and, and on the same page that I was really blown away. And to me, it's been my favorite piece of Marvel content easily since Endgame.
2: Hmm, I would agree. And, uh, black widow you had a chance to see that recently we talked about tiers with running back so if you had to put black widow in the tier of marvel movies where would you land it
1: man that's a tough one i don't know what number i would put it on because i would need to sit down and actually right rank so your level. upper
2: echelon is Endgame, infinity war you love black panther right and civil, yeah, war. civil war so it's yes. probably is it like a touch of below that is it below I- below that I would put it, if, if you were breaking all,
1: all the movies alone, let's ignore the shows. If you're breaking all the movies into, let's call it, five tiers, I think Black Widow is near the top of tier three. I don't, I, it's not yeah. in that tier one, and I don't think it's even remotely close to tier one. Tier two, I wouldn't say it's far off, but it doesn't quite get there for me. I, I have a, a lot of problems with the story and the, and like the script in, in Black Widow. It's very different <laughs> than some of the other movies. But, but I will say the action is is visceral. It's really like, it, it was very interesting to watch Marvel sort of go there with the action. Obviously they didn't have like the blood and guts of like a Deadpool, but there was a lot of like hand-to-hand combat, very uh, Bourne-esque that fighting scenes that I hadn't seen in a while. And I didn't actually get to see it in the theater. I just, I just rented it at home. But I do feel like this is the type of movie that's like, Welcome back to movie theaters, like all you know, big set pieces. I felt that I saw really, it in really cool it Action, big movie stars, but you know, I didn't like. I thought the Russian accents were weak, you know, like that sort of thing. There's not really a ton of humor in the movie outside of um, Florence Pugh and David the whole Roberts, character but, was humor. <laughs> I know I'm saying outside of those characters, like, but oh, okay. it's kind of hard because Marvel is built around these quippy superheroes and black widow is just not a funny character like either in the comics or in the iteration we've seen in the mcu and i adore scarlett johansson i think she's a a fantastic actress it's so it's it's not a knock on her at all she can do comedy but it's just not the way the character's really written so it's kind of weird to see her almost misplaced in that family with with the red guardian cracking jokes and oh look at that beer belly and 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 we all love david harbour who i'm now realizing i'm kind of dressed like from his character in stranger (laughs) Thing. I kind of look like Hopper a little, kind of little Jim Hopper. <laughs> um, and and Florence Pugh, who's just like steals every scene in every movie she's in, is is relentlessly charismatic. So it almost felt like the character was a little miscast next to them. Um, but again, it was still really fun. Like Marvel movies are are inherently enjoyable to watch. I really like them. I don't think this quite hit the mark of what it could have been. I don't. I also don't like prequels in general for big franchises because there's just no stakes. Like. Every time she's in a fight, okay, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that she's going to survive this. So it's it's a little hard to get too invested. And I will also say, I'm kind of out on Marvel fight scenes. Uh, Not that I think they're done poorly. I think they used to be done a lot worse. I think they've gotten better over the years in terms of choreography. But I just have come to the realization that I don't watch tv shows or or movies for the the action scenes anymore i much more care about the dialogue and the back and forth and the charisma and the jokes and the interesting narrative and weaving of stories and plot lines and all that stuff and that's just not what this movie was this movie leaned really heavily into action and they did a really great job at it it just didn't quite land for me but again we're talking about a a tier three marvel movie i'm not saying this is down with like Thor: The Dark World or the Second Guardians of the Galaxy Two, Uh whoa, that one in
0: particular. Whoa, 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 whoa! What do you
1: mean? What do you mean? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Guardians, of the, Guardians. 2, Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy Two is an is a bad movie. It's just, it's just not a good movie.
0: There's, there's we could have a whole Strange. episode on this kind of stuff, but, uh, better
1: than Dr. Strange. What are you talking uh, about? <laughs> oh God. my gosh. Oh, we we really do need to do a whole, like, just like a Marvel Pixar, everything dedicated entire. episode. There will be,
0: to- that, at, you know what, as the summer goes along, that's not a bad call. Just a, for the, for the real diehard, uh, GOJ fans here, a bonus pop out, non-numbered, uh, movie specific, <laughs> episode is what we'll have to get into (laughs) i
1: can't i can't believe you like guardians 2 i'm like actually shocked by that i thought that movie was it's probably my least favorite marvel movie
0: all right well with that we will take you into the swift 7 but first actually as we're recording and since we were talking about it before the first big ish trade went down nelson cruz now a tampa bay ray per jeff passan so the rays typically not involved in the trade market the first to make a splash and get the veteran who uh, to answer your question about the twins yeah starting into yeah. sellers
2: they're going, going back that. to the world series again <laughs> tom brady goes to tampa and just all those teams that decide and, to, and
1: uh... frankly he's he's a really good fit there he knows the alec dominated his his year in 2014 with the o's and and they the rays the one thing they don't seem to do well is grow great hitters they great defenders great pitching but um they usually don't have the bats themselves so that's that's a great fit for them and as long
2: as he, what is he? Forty-two now, forty-three. As long as he's, he's old, breaking, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think if he hits two home runs in his first two at bats, Kevin Cash will pull him in the seventh inning? Oh god! At-bat? Oh god!
0: Oh god! Oh god! We're not going down that fast. Number Go one, right, the- Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> number, number one of this was hey, at least you know what maybe. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to go to the Ubaldo Britain thing. Number one of the Swiss. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's
2: a, that's a dark wound right there. That's uh, just bad.
0: Uh, do you have a favorite NFL rivalry to watch that does not involve the Ravens?
1: Ooh, I would say historically, Packers, Bears, just because I just like the tradition of it and how old it is, but more modern, uh, 49ers, Seahawks, just because they, they've been so good this last decade. By and large, obviously, there's ups and downs for every team. Um, the, the fans really seem to hate each other. It's sort of similar to, to Pittsburgh Baltimore, where there's, like, some respect, but also, like, they really don't like each other. So that, that would probably be my choice.
0: Number two, uh, we know 16-0 and is difficult enough. There's always clamoring every year. Will it, won't it happen with a certain team? Will a team ever go 17-0? and It's only one extra game, but an extra game makes a big difference because how many teams have gone 15-1 and but not 16-0? and <laughs> I'm
1: going to say no, but because I think the NFL wants to bump up to, to 18 games as soon as they are able to, so I don't think the 17-game schedule is going to exist long enough for a team to do that. If you ask me, like, will a team go undefeated again, it will happen at some point. That's just, like, the nature of things is, is flukes sometimes happen and outlier seasons happen, but I don't think a team will go 17-0.
0: Fair. Uh, if you could bring back any team's throwbacks on a permanent basis in the NFL – which ones would you bring back? Ooh,
1: that's a really good one. Um, I can tell you that I would not bring back the Steelers. I hate those Bumblebee uniforms. Uh, <laughs> <So ugly>. and, <laughs> I also hate the Creamsicle Bucks uniforms. Those are, those are terrible as well. Uh, that's a really good question. I'm going to – and I, I'm actually also going to say not the Ravens. I don't like those early, like, 90s. No, their jerseys like now are better. There, there was some tweet going – I know this is supposed to be a Swift 7. There was some tweet going around. The other day, that was like they should bring back this old logo, and it was the like B on uh, the the with the wings Ravens helmet. And I was like, that's like an ugly logo. I I, I don't enjoy that one. Um, I, I think I, I know that they haven't like uh gotten too far away from it, but I'd say the Chargers. I just love the color scheme so much that right. that anything they powder blues you know, baby great that they see, they that's true powder course. blue. It's gorgeous. It, it really is. Is I just love to watch. The, they should their wear years. it every game. It really I don't
2: happen, know yeah. why they don't. Yeah, they, that's, it it's, 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 yes. And it's one
0: of those things, you know, too much of something, then it doesn't become good anymore. Like peeps. Peeps were great when it was just Easter. Now peeps are year round, different flavors. Everybody hates peeps. Pe- peeps Peeps are the guardians
1: of the galaxy two of candy. They <laughs> stink. Oh
0: God. oh god! But give me those powder blues all day long. Uh, number four, Worm, if you were athletic and played any sport in college, uh, what local college park business would you have wanted to be your sponsor now that the NIL rules are in place?
1: First of all, I don't appreciate using the word if on me being <laughs> athletic. Um, <Man>. second, <laughs> second of all, um, I, I did work for them, so it's kind of weird. I love me some DP dough uh i was a delivery driver okay, which that business that is still
0: actually open in college park oh, if you oh, want to I, you. <laughs> by the way
2: the swift seven has turned into the elongated 14 by
1: <laughs> is this your first time having me on BJ? <laughs> you know how this works um that well the interesting thing about that is every time i go to college park now for a game i like see all these restaurants and bars and stuff that i don't recognize so uh, i'm i'm a little limited on this one of what actually exists <laughs> anymore the, the the obvious one that is
0: probably the correct one is Bentley's. Or marathon, one of the two. Uh
2: worm, Giannis, over or under three and a half titles in his career. Including the one he just got? Like in his, his... Correct. So I going... two more or three more?
1: Two I'm more. going to say under, but I'm also going to say uh, whatever MVP line you give me, I'm gonna say over. Mm what underground
2: championships what summer olympic sport do you enjoy watching the most i'm most impressed by
1: gymnastics but i did swim for a lot of my life growing up so that's just kind of the fun one because i I, obviously i've never been as fast as as an olympic swimmer but i can sort of like put myself in that scenario um and and i i would say that that's one also that i am closest with watching with my parents because because they were really into swimming and stuff so um that, that's that's a phone for me but but the gymnastics one that's the one that makes my jaw drop i i have no comprehension
2: how they're capable <laughs> of doing the stuff they do will aaron Rodgers start for the packers week one yes or no yes i think
1: i think he's just, he just likes being a drama queen but i think at the end of it i think at the end of the day it makes the most sense for him to stay in green bay and so that's what will happen and also uh, at this point in the season like other teams aren't going to want to bring on a quarterback like they they have their own offenses they're trying to build like Like, a a different player, sure, but,
2: like, you need to have your quarterback in place by late July. And quick question. Should Seattle's hockey team be called the Kraken or the Star Pucks? (laughs) Um, I do like the Kraken.
1: I'm going to go Kraken. I I think Kraken's a good name. I think
0: they did a good
2: job. (laughs) The jerseys Uh, are
0: fantastic. I I have a bonus Swift question, and I want it, Worm. I know it's it's a constraint with you sometimes. I truly want this answered in 10 seconds or less. Okay. Because I want to get your true gut reaction. I had this conversation with PJ briefly recently. Remember that question you asked us about our, the, the teams we're fans of? If you had like 100 slider points, where would you position them based on who your true favorite team is? Yeah. Juan Soto, um, huh. Fernando Tatis Jr., Vlad Guerrero Jr., the 22-year-olds that are just dominant right now. If you had 100 points to buy stock in them going forward, I want no rationale, nothing. I just want to get your, your thinking of which of those guys y- you go with. Spread out that 100 points in 10 seconds or less. Sure.
1: Before we start the 10 seconds, I, I just want to ask, you didn't say Acuna. Are we not including him? I specifically
0: him? Okay. excluded him with the injury right now. Just okay. those three guys.
1: Okay. Just want to make sure. Uh, I will go Fernando Tatis, 60. Soto, 25. Vlad, 15.
0: Fair. You can't go wrong with any of those three. I was just curious where your head was no, at. I mean, they're
1: they're they're here. all superstar. What our our mutual friend Gary Carter will often text me base just random baseball questions, something along those lines, like who are you taking if you can start a franchise with one of these four? And like it's, it's just to me like Tatis is like the, sh- the fact that he's a shortstop. Like I, I, I that dude's generational. They're all generational, but that dude's like generational of the generationals. Right, Joe. What would uh, you do?
0: What would your I I, I I hate to say this, especially as a Mets fan. Um, I would probably put most of my slider points on Soto. I'd probably go of the hundred. I'd probably go forty-five Soto, twenty, uh, twenty-five Tatis, and then I'm sorry, thirty-five Tatis, and then twenty on um on Guerrero. I, I got a part of the thing with Vlad too is like. He did it now, but I also have to trust that he'll keep the weight off because we've seen now how different he is after the weight loss. He's possibly going to win a triple crown after the weight loss. If he could keep it off. The sky's the limit, but we got to see first.
1: One well, the thing is if the bar is just harder. Is to math clear, right on that
0: 45, yeah. 35,
1: and 20. I, I was kind of struggling. Yes, that's right. It's you know? right. <laughs> the, the thing with Vlad too is just that like the bar is so much harder to clear for a first baseman to be yeah, an elite yeah. hitter versus like a shortstop. Like that. that's for me it's easy to pick to first purely because he's a shortstop. But I believe that Soto is the best overall hitter in terms of like added value as a hitter because of the preternatural eye. And, and I believe that Guerrero has in him to win multiple
0: MVPs. Um, it's just harder to do it as a first baseman. They than all might first win firststop. multiple MVPs. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's if, We're entering a great I, era of baseball.
1: I would, if you, if you guaranteed me health, which I know you can't for anybody technically, but if you guaranteed me health, I would bet on all three of them making the hall of fame.
0: Like they're, they're oh. all I would bet on all three of them making inner circle hall of fame with multiple yes. MVPs. They,
1: they are jaw droppingly good. And I, I think people don't, I think people take it for granted too much. It's it's sort of similar. Like, like with Giannis, like I, I think some people realize he's great, but they don't realize how historically great he is. He's obviously a little further along in his career than those guys, but like they, they aren't just great for right now. They aren't just great for this century. They are great for
0: all time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Trivia question. Going off of your Fantasy Pros website, there are 21 players in the top three tiers. We talked about the tiers earlier. Four teams have two players in that top 21 and top three tiers overall. So who are the four teams? And who are the two players from each team that are among the top 21 in the top three tiers? You know the rules, three strikes, and you get 90 seconds.
2: This
1: is a great question that I am woefully unprepared for. I hope my bosses aren't listening.
0: <laughs> I hope they are uh, listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it goes 21 players, you said?
0: 21 players in the top yeah. three tiers. Four teams have multiple players.
1: Okay, the Chiefs, uh, Tyreek and, and Kelsey.
0: That is correct. correct. Okay. This is it's been 20 great. seconds.
1: Uh the Packers, Devontae and Aaron
0: Jones. And that
2: is two. Uh, would
1: be up there. I'm trying to 40 think of seconds the gone. I'm trying to think of the running backs. Um so so many of them. Let's go. I, I I like this question a lot because I'm, I'm really struggling with it. <laughs> oh, uh, Saints, Kamara, and Michael Thomas? it, strike or, uh, one. Tom- no, strike one.
2: one. Michael Thomas okay. does not make it.
1: Okay. What a Mike,
2: fall from grace. Yeah. Michael Thomas is number 29.
0: A minute five gone. You got two strikes to work with. Oh,
2: boy. Oh, boy. Um,
1: I don't think they would have. Just because I need to put a guess out there, I don't think they have Amari, but the Cowboys, Amari and Z. Nope,
0: Not the two strikes. Just okay. give us a hail mary here. Time's about up, but
1: uh, okay, we're gonna say the uh, uh, you know the team that is correct. Um,
0: <laughs> we're we're oh, the
1: Titans, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry. They're that great. would be
0: correct, but you're well past the time now. The one that you missed, it was the toughest one because. The the player that just barely made it is twenty one out of twenty one. Uh, the Vikings, Dalvin Cook, number two, Justin Jefferson, twenty one. Okay, I,
1: I I thought of the Vikings in my head, but I was like, I didn't I didn't think what the receivers would be high enough. Right. I, I would think they were more in the like twenty five to thirty five range. But I mean, I I can't blame them. I mean, the dude set the rookie record. <laughs> there you go. I, I got go. three out of four, you know. Three out of four. I, the I, Vikings I was the tough one. That was the that's, tough one. That, that that's a great question. So I'm now I'm now one for two on the uh on the trivia. <laughs> Still Hall of Fame, we're still Hall <laughs> of Fame. Wow, wow, you're not wrong. Right. I'm, if anything, better than Tatis, Soto, and, and Bladdy.
0: <laughs> not with that mustache. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't watch us on YouTube doesn't get the full effect. If anybody's on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud, consider yourself lucky that you don't have yeah. to look at it.
1: <laughs> I, I really, I know I said this already, I really
2: can't unsee Jim Hopper now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> He was excellent in that movie, by the way. And I thought his Russian accent was fantastic.
1: I think he had the best Russian accent of, of the lot of them. I, yeah. I, I thought some of them really struggled there, but I thought his, his was the best. And it's, I didn't it's mind really- Florence
0: Pugh's. I really didn't mind hers
1: in stranger things. He's now stuck in like a Russian prison. So I thought it was <laughs> kind of funny that they basically rescued him from the gulag.
0: That's true. All right. Worm. we really appreciate it. So happy to have you on in your new official role that we were very happy to find out you got. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing all your fantasy advice, so I could fade it all season long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's probably the smart. Actually, no, that's definitely the smart call. Uh, I I will also say I don't know if I told you this guy is like before we started recording or not. Um, but not only am I doing a lot, a lot of social media stuff, they want me to do a lot of the TikTok stuff as well. So if you do want to see my probably not mustachioed face, please go follow the Fantasy Pros TikTok. It's it's pretty new, so we're we have way fewer followers on there as the other accounts, but uh, we're trying to grow it. So. Them. if you'll allow me that shameless plug go follow us there and also on instagram twitter facebook if you like fantasy at all you'll you'll enjoy what we have coming
0: all right worm thank you so much Thanks, great worm. catching up again For all we Sons episode, again. well
2: done we'll do it again <laughs> when
0: the season starts to go because i'm sure we'll have plenty of fantasy football to talk about and plenty more marvel stuff to talk about and like we said maybe we do have to have that pop out episode to talk uh, to dive into that too. we will we will never run out of marvel stuff to talk about <laughs> this this is
1: uh, pop culture now <laughs>
2: Once again, that was our good buddy, Ryan Warmly, kind enough to join us. So happy for him that he has his new gig at Fantasy Pros running on the social media. So make sure you follow those accounts to see what he's posting. A um, lot of good conversation, Joe. The one thing, though, we really didn't talk to him about that we'll get into now is the NBA Finals and Giannis's performance. Joe, I can't remember a time where a perception around an athlete has changed so quickly. In two weeks, than Giannis's in that Brooklyn series. And then a little bit of the Atlanta series. Everybody was just, I mean, they were pooping on him. They were saying how overrated this guy was. He doesn't have a jump shot. He can't make free throws. He's a liability out there. And then game four, game three, game four, game five, game six of the NBA finals. He puts together one of the best four game stretches you'll probably ever see. And he's completely flipped the narrative. Now everybody's saying he's the new king of basketball. Everybody's saying now that he's essentially won every award there is to win, except rookie of the year and sixth man, which yeah, he he'll never get sixth man. <laughs> um, he, uh, he's now automatically a top 15, top 20 player. So I'm happy for Giannis. We, we both are really fans of him as a person, as a player. You called the Bucs at the beginning, props to you. I still think had Brooklyn been healthy, who knows what would have happened. But totally
0: agreed. If Brooklyn were healthy, Brooklyn would have gotten through him. we never got to see it, unfortunately, right. but
2: uh but credit look, credit to the Bucks. Again, people forget that they were missing Dante DiVincenzo, and he's not a big he's not as big a piece as some of these other players that were missing. But uh Drew Holiday obviously stepped up in certain games. Middleton was great. Bobby Portis was excellent. They they really got some good contributions. And Joe, hopefully other players around the league, this can kind of start the trend of, you know, super teams. Yes, they win titles, but also if you bet on yourself, you stay committed to a franchise. They put good players around you. They draft. Well, you can win a title too. And, that's what the NBA needed. That's why I was so excited for these finals because it was two fresh teams, two cities that were starving for a championship, players that were happy to be there. Nobody on either of those rosters ever won a title. It was just, it was exciting to watch and uh, happy for the Bucs. And now they're going to be a force for years to come because, you know, now Giannis kind of might build his own super team by being in Milwaukee. He might make it a destination for. People wanting to come there and play with them, so just just happy for Giannis and what a performance he put on in Game Six.
0: Giannis finally was the example that the NBA tried to set out with the whole supermax rule. Teams have skirted around it with the whole. I, don't, I still don't understand how it works. Where like you trade a guy, but like if you trade him by a certain time, then the team that he goes to gets his bird rights, and if that happens, then they're allowed to give him a supermax. So like you get all that convoluted stuff going on. And it's a way to skirt the whole reason the rule was put in place. It it was put in place to allow guys like Giannis to stay in Milwaukee, guys like Dame to stay in Portland. Now that won't probably last too much longer, it seems like. But it still gave them an extra few years there for them to try to figure it out, even though they didn't the way that the Bucs did. Um, It's great for the sport because, like you said, the more times we see teams win like this, the better. How great were these playoffs compared to past years? Oh, We truly never had any idea going into a series – who was going to win and sure it was great to see Cavs warriors for like four or five years running there, whatever it was because it was a historic matchup and it was a historic team against a historic player. And it was fun to see going back and forth every year, but going into all of those seasons, we knew the outcome before the season even started. If we can no longer say that going forward, that's great. That's absolutely great for the sport and great for everything about it. Um, So hopefully that continues to be the case as far as Giannis. I mean, There's nothing else to be said about his performance itself. Dropping 50, uh, going 17 of 19 from the free throw line. Are you kidding me? The way he's barely been shooting above 50%. I know. I mean, greatness to the highest exponent there uh, of stepping up in in the biggest, brightest moment and not shying away. But I want to talk more about things away from the court. The way he's handled himself through all this, the the pre pre or post-game press conference, I forgot which it was, where he talked about ego and humility and pride. It's the best one minute and 51 second clip you'll see all year. Uh, The way he was after winning the title, talking about how he did it a tough way and and kind of throwing a little bit of a shot at some other teams with the super teams, just an awesome story. His, his background, um, Nigerian parents going to Greece to create a better life. And his mom would have to sell things on the streets like CDs and stuff. He and his brothers would have to sell things on the streets to to come to the U S and do this. I mean, when he was in Greece, Malik Andrews was telling the story that like he wasn't even considered Greek. They wouldn't give him citizenship until he came to the U.S. and joined the NBA. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an incredible story. It was awesome to see him just break down entirely crying on the court where he just sat on the chair there and just kind of took it all in. Just great scenes, great for the city, great for Giannis. Uh, Yas Worm over under three and a half titles. I'll say under just because, I mean, how many guys – that are stars like that have more. I mean, MJ has Probably more, great. Kobe has more, LeBron is, is there, but it's not very, very common. I'll say under, but like Worm said, I'm going to say over on the MVP. He just won it twice. Um, the main shot that people would take at him, like you were alluding to, he's a regular season player. He completely dispelled that finally, but he is a great regular season player uh, who's going to continue to dominate regular seasons from here on out, and he's just 26 years old. That's the um, thing
2: too. I mean, you know, Jordan and LeBron, they they had great success early in their year stats wise, but they really didn't formulate it in the playoffs. It took right. them a while. And now Giannis already has his title at twenty six and he's just starting to get into his prime and I know he's going to have to go through
0: Brooklyn and you would have to think that they're going to be healthy. And Atlanta's- Brooklyn's probably just one year though. You look at the contract structure of that team. It's 2021 or sorry, 2022 and that's it. That's probably their only shot at it. The 2021, yeah. 2022 season. Cause if they don't, whether they do or don't win, they probably have to move pieces after the upcoming season. So if he doesn't win it next year, fine. He's 27 the year after that. And there's no more Brooklyn. So He'll he'll win more. I don't know if he'll win four. But MVPs, is it far-fetched to think he wins five,
2: six?
0: Uh, I don't know if he wins that many. I mean, look, at some point, like we've seen with LeBron, at some point there is voter fatigue. But but the way he puts stats up, he does so in a way that even LeBron did not because he fills out the stat sheet way more than even LeBron did. And he's 26, so I'm not even talking – you know, four or more in the next, you know, six years, he could win. He could win back-to-back MVPs at, at 28 and 29, which would give four years between his most recent MVPs. And then he could go another four years of that one. And he could win back-to-back at 33 and 34. That's how young he still is where he could still win that more, that many more without voter fatigue being an issue because he could have dry spells and still be in his prime because he's still only 26. So I think he'll get to like four to, to like five or six. It's very, very possible. Do you think he's the best player in the NBA? Oh, gosh. Um, I still think at this present moment, the best player in the NBA is Kevin Durant, and And we saw that in the playoffs. Um, Kevin Durant is aging, and I I think he's got maybe a two- to three-year window to remain the best player, um, depending on what Giannis does the next couple years. I would say this. He's the best all-around player because Kevin Durant, as hard as he does work defensively, he's not defending the way Giannis does. He's not rebounding the way Giannis does. Um, until Giannis gets a better jump shot, he's not going to be as prolific as a scorer as KD is. Um, but he's he's number two for me. I'm, I'm trying to think quickly through the league. I don't think LeBron's there anymore, even though LeBron is still great and he had that mantle for so long. I think it's KD. I think it's Giannis. I think that baton will be passed between those two guys in a year or two. Maybe three, depending on how long KD says at his peak. Uh, but it, it's not many people in that conversation.
2: Yeah, my top five in no particular order are KD, Giannis, LeBron, Steph Curry, and Embiid. would be my And top. I would say
0: Giannis is better than all those guys but KD.
2: I would agree. Giannis and Kawhi is tough. Like, see, we do this every year in the playoffs. The guy who wins the title, right? We're so you know what I'm saying? Steph Curry hasn't been in the finals the last three years, and it's like people I've been in the playoffs forget,
0: the last three couple of years. <laughs> right. And
2: people just forget how good the guy is. I'm like, he's still a top, he's the second greatest point guard of all time. Um, but no, Giannis, Giannis is great. I mean, what you say about best all-around player, that's hard to dispute. Just what he how he can fill a stat sheet, how he affects the game, and You know, like you said, the game six, the free throws is just what really... There was a bar that was
0: giving out free shots as a joke. As a joke, they advertised free shots for every free throw he makes to every person. So they had to give people, if they wanted it, 17 free shots. That's absurd. Well, there are a lot of dead bodies in
2: (laughs) Milwaukee right (laughs) now. Oh, man. Um, Um, A
0: joke. It's it's great. I mean, it, it was great to see the Deer District and everything there, too. I mean, it was just... Brilliant scenes in Milwaukee.
2: It was. Um, now, the next thing I want to talk about, which I got a lot of thoughts on, is this Texas-Oklahoma story.
0: Before you dive into it, I will say this. We will just mention it in passing. Next week will be a big week for MLB trade deadline and Seattle Kraken. They had their expansion draft. They're going to start making trades inside of free agents this week, and the draft is this weekend. So we want to reserve that for next week because their roster is going to change a lot. And the trade deadline's next week, so we'll dive into it then. But now the floor is yours for Texas. Man,
2: so Texas-Oklahoma. So here's my thing, okay? Whenever a big college story breaks, everybody's mind automatically goes to football. And with those two programs, I understand why it would. But my thing with Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC is take football aside. Oklahoma just won the national championship in softball, and the SEC had like 10 of the top 25 teams In college softball, of the ranked teams are in the SEC. College baseball, Texas was the number two overall seed this past season, and the SEC is the best conference in baseball. In women's college basketball, Texas, as you know, upset Maryland. They have one of the best coaches in Vic Schaefer who turned Mississippi State into a mini dynasty there for a little bit. They're going to be loaded. And oh, in college basketball, they just got Chris Beard and Porter. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. So like, I get it
2: from a football standpoint, but from all these other sports as well, it's just going to make the sec unbelievably competitive. And I hate it for the big 12 because it's like the Yankees moving from the AL East to the NL central, or it's like Duke moving from the ACC to the big 10. It's, I mean, those are your brands, Texas and Oklahoma. So my solution for the Big 12, what I'm kind of reading and listening to and my assumption of all this is that Texas and Oklahoma obviously aren't happy with the Big 12 and the money disputes, and they're looking to go elsewhere because they just have had enough carrying the conference. So obviously ESPN and the SEC football have this big contract now they're going to be the new cbs of the sec where they're going to have the best game every week fallon herb street i think cbs and the big 12 should step in and make some kind of agreement that big 12 now should be the new home for cbs and maybe convince texas and oklahoma to stay because i mean joe if those two schools leave the big
0: 12 what's 12's the- done What's the draw? If those two schools leave the Big 12, I would all all but guarantee you the Big 12 is dissolved within a couple of years. And you see teams just kind of start latching on elsewhere. Like maybe Iowa State joins the Big 10. Maybe TCU uh, joins the American or something with, with Houston. Like you'll, you'll start seeing them go elsewhere. If those two teams are gone, the Big 12 is done within a few years. Baylor maybe tries to tag along into the SEC or – or something like that. There there's some teams that could latch on with the Pac-12. So it's gone within a couple of years. Having said that, I don't think this ever sees the light of day as an actual thing that happens because, like you said, it, it's a power play for them trying to strong arm into some more money for the TV and stuff. And think about some of the rationale behind it. They think that the SEC – you see every year the SEC is sending two teams pretty much to the college football playoff. If we're getting the expansion that we truly seem to be getting, then there's no issues. Because sometimes the Big 12, there's question marks. Should the Big 12 be in? Should they not be in? They've missed missed before. They've missed the college football playoff before. So that works into it, too, where they say, oh, maybe if we're in the SEC, we'll get in more frequently. Now, if you're in the SEC, you're going to lose a lot more games, Oklahoma and Texas, and you're not going to get into the college football playoff. I've got news for you um so texas wants I think... to
2: finish six in the sec instead of fourth in the big Twelve. Yeah, That's yeah.
0: What they yeah so i think at the end of the day um you know texas has their long haul network and stuff and they've got the big 12 network and uh you, you, like we said you know if they go in, in the sec they're going to lose out a lot more games in football so they're not going to make the playoff anyway they're going to stay in the big 12 they're going to get the tv money they want using this as a tactic to get some more money Playoff expansion's coming, so they're going to have an assured spot instead of having to have these years where they're on the borderline. Those issues all resolve. But you do bring up a great point, though. Um, and it's something that I am familiar with because I have this argument all the time with Maryland. It's like, oh, Maryland's really not worthy of the Big Ten. Look at what they do in football every year. You're not wrong. Football's getting better under Mike Loxley. But ever since Maryland joined the Big Ten, including men's sports and women's sports, no school has more Big Ten championships across all sports men and women than Maryland. So I don't right. say Maryland doesn't belong. That's Maryland's, what I am saying. Maryland's at the top of the mountain between men's and women's across all sports. So, And it's the same thing there with, with Texas and Oklahoma across all the other sports, men and women. So you can't just look at it through the lens of football. That is, at the end of the day, all that really matters, it's though, with, with all the money. It's the king. Um, but even so, like I said, they'll stay joe they'll
2: i was with you I, i'm originally when i first saw it i'm like all right it's sec media days somebody's clearly just trying to yeah. get clicks but i mean it is picking up some steam i i i still would be would be shocked because again this is texas and oklahoma like when it was missouri and a and M, it's one thing right but you're talking about two of the top 10 biggest brands in college athletics i just right. I, I i can't see I, and i
0: can't see besides that like I can't see how it makes sense for those schools to want to then be smaller fish in bigger ponds. Like you're Texas. You're OU. You dominate the big 12. You're the big fish there. You join the SEC. You're taking a backseat to Bama. You're taking a back seat to LSU. In a lot of years, you're taking a backseat to Auburn. Georgia. Probably 80% of the time Florida. you're taking a backseat <laughs> to Georgia and Florida. Uh, so yeah. all of a sudden you're not Texas. And Texas Oklahoma. A&M. Look, I mean, I don't know about A&M. A&M hit or miss on some years for a and m but those other schools you're taking a backseat to them every year so there'll be some, there'll be some years where you take a backseat to to texas a and m too and even mizzou every now and then Mizzou's in the thick of things here and there so like th- there's pop-up teams here there, are mississippi state where they'll rise on a given year old miss they're going to be pretty good this year with coral at quarterback and kiffin coaching things but it's a whole, whole different ball game if you go from the big 12 to the sec and it's a a move that I think they would very quickly, quickly regret. So
2: I would agree. Um, all right, Joe. And then uh, let's see. So what we're going to do now is NFL season is approaching before we get into trivia. We thought it would be a fun little idea to each week kind of have a prop bet that we like or a future. Yeah, we're, bringing, bet.
0: we're getting ready. We're getting back to the best bets during the season. We will do that and keep track of it again. And we figure the best way to ease back into it is in every week from here to the regular season uh, kicking off. Once a week, we will give one future prop bet. Uh, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We're eight weeks away from the start of the NFL season. So by the time we kick off, you'll have eight from me, you'll have eight from PJ uh, as far as future bets to, to maybe sprinkle on before the season starts. So without further ado, PJ, what are you starting us off with?
2: So... I found one that uh, that I really like, actually. You know, I when we do this over the next couple weeks, I'm going to give you, like, teams I like to win the division and all that stuff. But uh, one that I found that I really liked was over-under five-and-a-half individual 200-yard receiving games this season. Say that again?
0: Over-under. So,
2: over under will there be over under five and a half 200 yard receiving games from receivers so throughout the entire nfl season will there be over six receiving games where x receiver has 200 yards or more will it be under so i kind of like the over for that you add the extra game again last year there were so there were so many high scoring games because of Obviously, the pandemic and defenses couldn't practice and it was much harder for them than it was for some of the offenses with veteran quarterbacks and that there were no fans and they can control the line of scrimmage. But man, I mean, again, with the offenses these days, with the quarterbacks, with the extra game, with the preseason and the OTAs, I
0: think uh, I kind of like over six at plus money, plus 115. That's not bad at all. It's one of those that I personally would probably stay away from because... You're sitting there saying to yourself, there's 272 games in an NFL season, and all 272 games have two teams involved, so you have 544 different individual chances, but for that number to be only five and a half, it's like Vegas knows something, and historically, it's it's a something that's rarer than you think it is, so I'd probably stay away from it. If I had to pick, I would go over. That sounds, I mean, that sounds like it's, it's something that we could see happen this year, the way that offense is played in the NFL. And just touching on some of those receivers that we mentioned with Worm when we were talking about fantasy, there's a lot of guys who get a lot of balls thrown their way.
2: Yes, there are. And I just need six of them.
0: That's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, I'm going with one that I had last year and I 1 million percent would have won last year if not for an injury. When Dak Prescott broke his leg during the fifth game of the season he was on pace for 6,500 passing yards he would have cooled down at some point but there's zero doubt in my mind he was topping 5,000 and there's zero doubt in my mind he was leading the league in passing yards last year and there's zero doubt in my mind that he's going to be right back there again this year because we know that way that the way that team is constructed and we know that Dak Prescott is going to be slinging it all around the yard um he could very well touch 6,000 yards. It would not stun me with the extra game involved too, because again, last year he was on pace for 6,400. You extrapolate that out to a 17th game. He was on pace for 6,800 in a 17 game season. Um, He is going to throw the ball a lot. They are going to pick up a lot of yards with the receivers they have. And he is five to one to lead the league in passing yards. He's only behind Pat Mahomes. Um, and, and still it's chalky ish because he's the second guy on that list, but still five to one to lead the league in passing when he was on his way to nearly 6,000 yards last year. Give me that, give me that all day and hope he stays healthy this time around.
2: You really like that Dallas offense this year because you like Zeke. I don't like Dallas.
0: I don't necessarily like Dallas because they're their defense, but I like the Dallas offense. Same thing like last year. I mean, had Dak not have gotten hurt last year. Their record might not have been all that different than it was in the end because they don't play any defense. But they would have scored a heck of a lot more points. I mean, think about before he got hurt. They had that like 40-something to 40-something game against the Falcons. Like they were putting up ridiculous video game type numbers. So uh, whether they win games 45 to 42 or whether they're losing games 52 to 47, either way they're putting up probably close to 30, 40 a week and there's going to be a lot of yards for, for Dak Prescott. That's true.
2: Um, all right, Joe, it's trivia time. You are winning
0: 21 to 20. I You got closed, one back on me last week. The gap after back.
2: last week. Um, would you like to give me your question first, or should I go first?
0: I would. I will give you my question first. Yeah. Um, we we're talking about all this parity, right, in the NBA, and we finally got the Bucks and Suns, two teams we don't usually see, and the whole postseason was, you know, anybody's series at any time. Right. So on that note for the NFL, since – uh, over the last 4 years from 2017 to now over the last 4 seasons 24 of the 32 teams have made the playoffs at least once in the last 4 years only 8 teams have not once made the playoffs can you give me 6 of the 8 teams that in the last 4 years have not once made the playoffs
2: in the NFL
0: in the NFL okay um uh, let's see in the last the jets the Jets have the longest drought at ten years. Um, now I'll give you a hint. After the Jets at ten years, no drought is longer than five. Yeah, Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati is among them. Five okay. years. So there's okay. two of your six that you need.
2: God, the Dolphins. When was the last time they made it?
0: Dolphins. Dolphins. Four years. They're right there at the cutoff. Okay. Three correct. All your strikes um, to work with, 30 seconds gone.
2: Let's see. Not the Bills, not the Pats. Uh, Ravens, Steelers, Browns, Chiefs, Chargers. No, Chargers made it. Broncos. Ooh. Broncos.
0: Five years for the Broncos. Yeah. You're four for four so far. You need two more.
2: Raiders made
0: it. You got 30 seconds and all three strikes to work with.
2: Is that four years ago? Dallas Giants.
0: Uh, the Giants. Four years for the Giants. Give me one more, and you got it. Um, Was it the Raiders? The Raiders, four years. You got it. Okay. There you go. Um, I thought you would – if you want to try for the last two, go for yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, let's see.
2: Uh, Detroit. Detroit. And – I'll go Arizona.
0: Arizona, yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> uh, those are the teams. Good one. Uh, yeah. I thought you would maybe trip up and say like, um, you know, the Jaguars or something like that, and and, and rack up a couple of strikes. But oh, uh, yeah. but there's there's been very good parity, and those are the teams. Only They're those good. eight teams have not made it at least once in the last eight years. So
2: damn, Joe, the Jets have made it in
0: ten years. Ten years. I'm so long time that. droughts sorry. ending soon. Not this year. Not this year. But next year.
2: Thanks. So their last playoff game was the Steelers AFC championship game.
0: That was their last playoff game. All right. They made it back to back AFC title games and have not been there since. <laughs> that's, that's rough. All right,
2: Joe, your question. I gave you an NBA one. Um, right. Since 2000, okay. there have only been, there have now been seven players who have won the NBA Finals MVP just once, including Giannis. So, of the other six since 2000, can you name me four of the six players who have only won Finals MVP just one time?
0: Okay, so since 2000... Correct. Four of the six players who have won it just once. So, Correct. if I give you a guy who's won it more than once, that's a strike uh That will not be a strike. That I'll will not, not be it. a strike. It's only a strike if I give you someone who's never won. Correct. Okay. Correct.
2: I'll be friendly.
0: Okay. Okay. But like, uh, don't it, say
2: LeBron. Okay. Right, right. right, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so,
0: right. so, so and, and we're excluding Giannis, of course. We are excluding Giannis. Correct. We're excluding Giannis. Yep. Okay. Go uh, ahead. Andre Gudala. Correct. 2015. That, that one's the one that sticks out. um Dwayne Wade.
2: Correct. 2007. And Dirk Nowitzki. 2011, correct. Okay.
0: So one more. Um, oof. Those are the ones that just stuck out because of uh, like just one off champions. Because outside of that, like we haven't had a lot of one off champions. I know. Like, we've all had little mini dynasties here and there. Uh, I'm trying to think who would have won it the year the Pistons won because they only won it once. I need one more player. You do. You got fifty seconds left. So you can use all three of your specs on them if you want. Uh, was it Chauncey Billups? Was it just him? It was
2: Chauncey Billups.
0: (laughs) Well done. In fifty
2: seconds too.
0: The only two. I was starting to think about like who may be on some of the dynastic teams. Would have only won it once, but then I was like, wait a minute, we've had enough one off champions where if I could just name those four teams, I'll get it. So,
2: yeah, the only one on here of the dynastic teams was Tony Parker, just won it once. Really? And okay. then it was Duncan the other years. And then Kawhi. I uh,
0: think Kawhi. Kawhi got two, yeah. Yeah, one with the he got Raptors, Raptors. One with the correct. Spurs. I mean, Kobe and Shaq each probably had. Kobe was twice. Shaq, I believe, was three times. Yes. Yeah. Twice or three times.
2: Yeah. LeBron's like four or five.
0: Right, the and Celtics then, actually. I uh, Paul Pierce won it that year. Yes, that would been another was one. the
2: Last one. Yep. There you
0: yeah. go. So you said there was five guys. or six. Six. Who I I gave you four. You got them Who's all. A, Iguodala. Yeah, yeah. Who is Who is the sixth one though? Tony
2: oh, Parker. you said Tony Parker. Tony Parker. Yeah, Parker. Yeah, yep. You said
0: it. You said it. Yeah. Yep. Right. Well, I like that question. That's that's a good yeah. unique question too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So uh, and then Giannis was the seventh. So all right. Well done. Look well, at that, Joe. I got the. I had the lead for a nice fifty second, or I tied at fifty seconds so and then you <laughs> yeah. snatched
0: it right back yeah. i was still on top by one well thank everybody for tuning in 55 episodes gone uh we're heading back into football season again and we're giving you a taste of it with worm and some of the fantasy talk and us giving you a, a prop future best bet uh each week down until the season next week more into the nhl with the kraken as they had their Expansion draft the other night, they have the actual draft this weekend, and free agency starts next week, and there'll be a bevy of trades throughout. So we'll reserve that for next week, get into the trade deadline for the MLB next week. Uh, basketball's going to take a back seat now for a couple of months. Uh, hockey, after that talk next week, takes a backseat for a couple of months, and we are left standing with football starting and baseball running to its conclusion. So that's, that's all. Joe, once enough.
2: the Olympic – once the olympics end it's kind of the worst time of the year because
0: it's like i right think we're before already the there race i think up. we're already there i think, think we're so? in the worst spot right now yeah I we do. might
2: yeah i because mean that's
0: fair the, the olympics like i'm not a huge olympic guy but even so like the the best stuff is reserved to like more towards the end of the olympics sort of ish there's some things that pop up but if a lot of the big events are kind of reserved for more towards the end of the Olympics right now, all we got is baseball going on.
2: Yeah. In and
0: golf. like in golf, and then we'll have, you know, next week training camp, start more and stuff. Um, but then we get the close of the Olympics. I can see what you mean there. Yeah. yeah. By the way, Colin Morikawa, we
2: were talking about Shambo last week morikawa would have been next on my list of top players i could have given you that i never ever would have guessed to win the open oh yeah because that was his first but look he got lucky the weather was perfect perfection yeah so credit to him he took advantage but uh i mean i bet jordan spieth and the guy was just right there
0: yeah my dad bet that 30 to 1
2: i bet fleetwood two years ago and he finished second so you know what, yeah. I, I just... I, I bet
0: Rahm, he finished third. Yeah. All my guys were there. I said, I said if an American wins, it's going to be Spieth. He came right there. You I had Rom as my pick. He was third. And I liked Ustazen, but I didn't pull the trigger like my dad did at 30-1, to one, and he was right there. So we were all right there. But Murakawa came in and took it real quick before we officially sign off. I answered, Worm answered. Who are you, how are you dividing that oh, up yeah. between uh, Vlad, Tatis, and Soto? Tatis, 50. Soto, 35. Vlad, 15.
2: My thing right. about so I'm the Vlad... Going,
0: I'm the only one going with Soto.
2: Yeah, my thing about Vlad is I see a very pool holes Miggy trajectory. Yeah, that's a, good, that's
0: a good cop.
2: In the sense that his peak is going to be insane, but he's going to get beefy. He's only going to be able to be a DH or first baseman late in his career, and his power number... Right, going to the, overall,
0: the overall value, like where i was saying, isn't going to be the same as a Tatis or even a exactly. Soto in the outfield so like Soto I mean that
2: dude could hit 300 his entire career Tatis is just I mean he's got so many like young a-rod intangibles yeah. to him just like the athletic nature and the joy that he has and he hits for power and average and he's such a good defender and he plays out in the west coast and yeah so uh but It'll yeah Vladi to me is just kind of Enjoy him now and over the next five, seven years because it's going right. to be holes and miggy like but towards the back half, he's going he's gonna to fizzle out.
0: A I can see that. And we didn't even mention Acuna because injury, we got to see how he comes back I from know. the 20 ACL, but he's in that mix too. So baseball is in very good hands going forward. Yes. And so is the Glass of Joe podcast with Joe Malfa and PJ Glasser. Episode 56 next week. Thanks for tuning in to 55. We will catch you then.